the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Best in dry cleaning. They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and... Um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Here we are. Thanks for joining us, folks. Glad to be with you tonight. Uh, Soapy in in his place. You and yours, and Jacob across the table from me. Hey, Jacob, how's it going? It is going okay across the table. All right, across the table. Let me see. I want to make sure that uh, I want to put this other microphone up that you come through loud and clear tonight. We're going to... uh, Jacob's got a very special uh, opportunity for us tonight. Just called me earlier this week, and we're going to uh, hear a very special report during the second segment of our program this evening. Very interesting report. This is a political season, 
<clears throat> and we do. You know, the uh, those who, believers, those who love God and following God, trusting in the Lord, uh, believing Christians, uh, sincere, you know, believing Jewish men and women, uh, of course, as you know, my pet theory is that we're all Jewish, actually. Uh, we've bought into the Jewish revelation. And uh, anyway, the, the point is, is that uh, when we know and follow God and we love him and we're devoted to God, he affects every area of our life. It's not like you can turn him off and say, okay, um, you can't be a part of my political understanding or, or my uh, patriotism. You cannot be a part of my civic uh, duties, my civic responsibilities. You can only be a part of my life in this area and that area and whatever. Uh, it's just that isn't the, the way things work. If he's our God, he's our God. He, we follow his leadership and his guidance in every area of our life. And I would say even more importantly, in our civic duties and our civic responsibilities. So we have we, we are going to talk a little politics. It is it is that time of the year and we're not going to you know back away from that. Of course the, the scriptures also do not back away from uh, political themes and the acknowledgement of the political realities of living in this world. We are finishing up the book of Isaiah. We finished it up this past week. Uh, on Monday our reading from Isaiah was chapter 64 through 66 uh, in finishing up the book of Isaiah and then we have gone right on into uh, the this another great book uh, the record of a of one of the great prophets of Israel named Jeremiah and uh, actually Jacob Jeremiah is one he's actually one of my favorite I, I don't know why I guess it's kind of a, I kind of always go for the underdog and it, boy he really had a rough uh, a rough road to hoe as they say he had a tough duty. He had to warn the people of Israel about their sin, call them to repent. I mean, he dealt with every group in, in, the, in the community. The women, in particular, gave him a hard time. The politicians, the kings, uh, so on. The moneyed you know, leadership, the financial leadership of the country. Boy, they gave Jeremiah a terrible time. At the time, he, his patriotism was questioned. Uh, they, because he was telling them to go ahead and yield to God's judgment, God's uh, discipline on us as a nation for our disobedience, and don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, don't antagonize Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead and and, and take our punishment. Uh, and he was telling them not not to rebel, not to uh, oppose and, and resist uh, Babylon's rule over them. And, uh, of course... It, I, I don't know from patriotism or what, but they did. And, of course, it caused great suffering on their part. Uh, it, it led to, of course, a lot of the, the idea of uh, their con- being conquered, Jerusalem being destroyed, and people being taken um, in successive instances and times being taken into exile over into Babylon. So it was a very difficult time for, to be a prophet of God. But Jeremiah did it. He did it faithfully. He stayed in the saddle. And then when it was all said and done, he could have actually uh, escaped uh, difficulties and trials. And uh, the, uh, Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself, through his emissary, welcomed uh, Je- uh, Jeremiah to come and be protected and live in the, in the palace and, and be taken care of by the, because of his loyalty and to them. And, but he didn't. He chose to stay with the people of Israel. And he was uh, taken and kidnapped, actually, by a, a band uh, of um, 
Israelis who took him down into Egypt, and I, I think that's where tradition wow, says he was. Oh, you know that. Tradition say he yeah. was killed there. In, that's or very died there soapy, Egypt. soapy. That's very good. Is that right? I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of in, in at fact, this a little it, while. That's very. I admire good. the guy. I really do. How is he viewed? Uh, I thought you can say how is he? I was going to say he's dead. <laughs> How's he doing there, Jacob? Do you know him well? No, but how is Jeremiah viewed as a prophet uh, in, in modern day Judaism and so on? Uh, do they still consider question his patriotism that he he called on them to you know to give in to Nebuchadnezzar and all? I'm, oh, I wonder no, how no. they view him. No, the king, the Jeremiah is the good guy. The bad guys in the story are the kings uh-huh. and the ones that disobeyed God. Jeremiah clearly teaches to obey God's laws. In fact, something fascinating about the, uh, Jeremiah. May I say something? Certainly, why not? Okay. Yes. Well, something fascinating is that with um, uh, the there are phrases that he uses that actually occur from the book of Jonah. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, really? Yes. Phrases that Jeremiah uses that he in some way has taken or borrowed from Jonah, you think? Well, or? we don't know, but we got to say they certainly, certainly said the same phrases. Now, and the interesting thing about those phrases... And Jonah must have lived maybe a hundred... We see, uh, Jonah must have been 736, 733 to 586. That's uh, 33. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. 33 and 14 is four. about 150 years before yeah. uh, Jeremiah. Sure. Okay. So what we have is something fascinating about this. You see, people really, and I want to tie this to Jeremiah tonight, but people really many times mis- do not catch what Jonah is actually saying. Jonah, the Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. We Let's all, back up to Jonah. He okay. was warning uh, yeah. the people. He was warning. He was sent to preach to the people in Nineveh, which was the capital of uh, of Assyria, mm-hmm. and that was Assyria was is they were terribly cruel, decadent, yeah. perverse, yeah. Uh, uh, idolatrous. Assyria, Assyria, uh, Assyria. I, I did say Assyria, didn't I? I think you did. I probably misunderstood. But it's important that people know that. I, we do get it confused with the modern name Assyria, just Syria. But Assyria's capital was in Nineveh, mm-hmm. and they were they were a cruel, very decadent society, and they were uh, harassing uh, Israel from the north and uh, threatening Israel. And uh, and then uh, no uh, Jonah was commanded by God and led by God, called by God to go up and preach. To the people, actually, actually, that's one of the things I want to touch on. Jonah was never told to tell the Ninevites to repent. No, yeah, exactly. He was. He told, said, "Judgment you, is coming." He said, "You guys are cooked. It's yeah. over." His, his message was not to call on them to repent, but he says he admits in his book there in his. He said, I know you. I knew you. I knew it would go up there. Well, he's and, talking to God when he yeah, says that. Yeah. To God, he says, I, I, I was. I, I, I know who you are. You are forgiving, loving, and you, if they repented, you would, you would give them a second chance. And he didn't want. Well, you know, yeah, just like him kicking an old rock and saying, "I knew it. I just knew it." Yeah, yeah he was a little bit. But what, that's what's going what, on? That's the hesitant, uh-huh. uh, disobedient prophet who God called, and he uh-huh. finally ended up, you know, being swallowed by the great fish and so on. And then he finally ended up going to Nineveh, and in fact, God did grant. There was a great revival, one of the eight great revivals of the of the Hebrew Scriptures, we count them, 
and uh, and there was a great revival, and it held back the judgment of God on Assyria. It it put it back a hundred years, I think, or something like that. About a hundred years before mm-hmm. they were God's judgment did fall indeed on yeah. them. But um, so that's the background. Well, yeah. I, I'm glad I got to say something. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that what you were going to say? Uh, no, no, you did a fine job. Oh, uh, okay, good. Uh, but anyway, but the point is, is that he sent was sent to them. You guys are cooked. Well, starting at chapter 25 of Jeremiahon, in 40 days, Jerusalem, uh, uh, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was the message. Mm, that's right. But they took it upon themselves to begin some type of repentance. Jonah was not happy. But uh, something interesting, they would skin, Ninevites skinned people. Yeah, they yeah. put the human skins all over the out, decorated the outsides of their city walls with them. It was meant to terrify, and it did. But... So anyway, but so that same phrase occurs with Jeremiah, but it usually starts in about chapter 25. Uh-huh. And that is one of the hardest chapters because of Jeremiah, because it's basically saying, hey, you know, this is the final warning. You've had your warnings. Oh, yeah. So you've got right. Hosea. You've got these other prophets. You've got Isaiah that says this is coming. Change, change, repent, repent, repent. So God would have accepted the repentance at any time. Now, with Jeremiah, you have the third and last stage, where it's basically very similar in the later parts of Jeremiah that you will, you are cooked. Now, there's also something... Is Jeremiah 25 the chapter where he tells them, I, I don't, you should not even pray for them anymore? Uh, he says, yeah, he actually uses phrases like, if uh, Moses and Samuel would ask me, I wouldn't give them a break. Oh, wow. So it's bad stuff. Yeah. But this is the warning with Hosea and a couple other guys, then Isaiah. And then when you get to Jeremiah, it's arriving. And But he still has a chance. And and they begin, they, do, they don't repent. And so we know what happens. Now, just as an interesting side note, there's another book in the Bible, which I know you're fond of that actually references Jeremiah to see how long they have to stay in captivity in Babylon. And do you know what book that is? Ding, 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 ding. It's okay. I cut you off. I knew you were going to say. <laughs> it's actually the book of Daniel. Oh. The book of Daniel in uh, in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 2 um it actually says that he's reading the book of Jeremiah. Oh, is that right? And he says, so I know how long we got to stay here. Be, isn't that something? In chapter 1? I believe it's uh, 1, 2, yes. Daniel is reading the book of, 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 of Jeremiah. Yeah, he actually quotes Jeremiah. Well, I'll be. I think it's 1. I hope it's 1. I'm going to it. We'll find out. Uh, we'll see. Jeremiah chapter 1. Chapter 1, okay, come on, page 2. Oh, well, at any rate, the point is that Daniel reads it, and he's able to interpret it. But how is he able to interpret it? He's able to interpret it because of knowing the Torah. If you don't know the Torah, Daniel, would no angel spoke to him. He learned it from Jeremiah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm no, reading okay. that no, chapter. No, I, I see. It's okay, no problem. Anyway, so Daniel actually takes place, but he takes a message from Jeremiah, so he knows how to start reading things. Uh-huh. In fact, later, um, he actually quotes something about um, uh, the star and the right. guys that goes over there. See, a lot of people don't know this, but the star that occurred that Jesus was born under was not a first-time event. 
that occurred with others. Moses, and, for one, right? And, and yes, absolutely, Moses. Okay. And, and uh, Daniel. No. no, not Daniel. But uh, but I but Abraham the story is okay. but we know for sure that it occurred with Moses, and how do we know that? Because it says so in the book of Exodus. And you say, where does it say that? Well, we'll get to that when we do Exodus again. Okay, yeah, that's a yeah. hook for people to listen. We are roaming all over the scriptures. But anyway, so Jeremiah. So he actually begins these phrases about by the time we get twenty-five, and especially in chapter thirty-eight. And I know that's beyond our scope tonight, but. Those are interesting segues, and he actually uses phrases that Jonah used. Hey, you're cooked, you're cooked. But the people at Nineveh... Oh, yeah, Jeremiah talks about being cooked in a pot, and they were thinking that they were in a pot safe because they were in Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and because they were in the presence of the temple. In other words, they were using Jerusalem and the temple kind of superstitiously as, oh, we're safe because here the temple is here, and it was kind of a kind of a rabbit's foot for them. Right. And and Jeremiah turned it around and said, no, no, it, you're not safe because you're in a pot, all right, but you're going to be cooked. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, I remember that. Twice, I think he said yes. there were more. So what's happening is this very same thing is happening with Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah takes place over, as you say, a very long period yeah. of time. Uh, it begins when he's a young man. And and one of the one of your first questions that you had written out was, when did Jeremiah's prophecy start? And you said, well, it was in the your 13th year of uh, Hosea's reign, uh, Josiah, 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 yeah, whatever. Um, he are good. The child king, the the, yes, the uh, uh-huh. six years old, yes. I think, when they were he and, placed on the throne. And, but date wise, for reference, it would be what we call 463 BC or BCE. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the time of creation, it was uh, 3,298 years. So whether you count from the creation or back from our AD time period that we uh-huh. use in BC, that would be the time period. So that's the period of time. And for 40 years. And, he, and he, he keeps preaching. So preaching. things don't happen immediately. In mm-hmm. fact, Jonah, as we're talking about Jonah, it gives him 40 days. You guys are all cooked. So, and in, <laughs> and so in, uh, in you the, like that phrase, you're all cooked, I yeah. can tell. So, well, he preached not only under the reign of Josiah, though. He preached under the reigns of five different kings of Judah. Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim with an M on the end, as in Mary, and Jehoiakim, with an N at the end, as in Nancy, and Zedekiah, the last uh, king or uh, ruler over uh, mm-hmm. over Judah, Absolutely. before they were taken uh, into exile. Sure. And, and what's going on is they are not obeying, and if we boil this down to just an easy-to-understand thing, they are not obeying God's laws, the Torah. And the Jews have a covenant. Now, as I know we don't have time to get into actual phrases and places in the book of Jeremiah, because we got a special segment coming yep. up. But Jeremiah, as you said, you'd like to t- tie this into it. Well, I want to, I want to tell you something. I have a friend. He's a Holocaust survivor. You've had, we've had mm-hmm. him on the show mm-hmm. one time. And he's written 28 books. And he told me the most interesting phrase. He said, people today, and he's 89, he spent six years in the camps. He said this to me, and I've really taken it to heart. He said, people do not realize today 
that we are living history. He said, imagine you were living in the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. People were in it, but they didn't realize the importance of it, and they were witnesses to history, exactly. and they're living it. Well, he said, what's going on? He said, and he's from originally from Europe. He's, of course, an American citizen. He's retired from the university now. But he actually says, and he said, it really struck me, he said, we are witnesses to history. We are living history. He said, in our lifetime, or at least our children's lifetime, more than likely, all Europe will fall to Islam. And America is on its way to falling. And since you want to tie it to politics, we talked about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was actually the final call that this is going to happen. That's and, why I think it is so relevant to our lives today. I do. And his I, life and his, his uh, ministry. And I agree that this, it seems right to me as a witness to history. Because I start thinking, I am a witness. I'm participating. I'm here. Here we are. And I think this, this election is going to determine which way America is going to go and if it's going to continue to be America or it's not. Right. And now I do not know this Do for you sure. think Americans are getting this? Uh, do, uh, as you pay attention to the media and, and what we're, the polls and everything, uh, do you think uh, the American people are are seeing how momentous, how the, the decline that we're in? It, it is so much like the times of Jeremiah, even to the point that for example, the, one of the principal groups that resisted Jeremiah were, were women. Women, uh, a number of them as a group. Uh, and, of course, we have you know modern feminism and the, the radical feminist agenda that's going on in terms of abortion and, and all this sort of thing and the eradication of, of marriage and, the, and so on. In so many ways, we are rebelling against God and his laws. Uh, and... Uh, and it just looks a lot like Jeremiah. That's one reason I, I think of Jeremiah as very relevant. What If you read the book of Jeremiah, it almost reads like our times. The things, you know, you know, feminists and this group against that group and, and rebellion and political corruption and, and corrupt leaders, inept leaders and so on. Uh, it just seems so much like the... The ups and downs and the back and forth of the times that we're living. Well, and, and Jeremiah, that's had, why we can't uh, ignore not it. just just not just the women, but his real major competition was the other so-called prophets. Oh, that yeah. were false prophets. False prophets. And you know, corruption in among in the spiritual leadership as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they lied, and we see a lot and, of that but, too. Because people always want to have reassurance that what they're doing is okay. And let's face it, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. What we're going to say about Jeremiah and what's going to be on this little uh, audio that we play, Yeah. either side could try to argue that from their point of view, either yeah. side. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that Jeremiah does It takes someone really courageous, though, to tell it like it is yeah. and tell the truth. Uh -huh. but, the but Jeremiah, uh, it was actually uh, Jehoiakim that burned all of his scrolls. It was actually Zedekiah. I don't know how you'd say mm -hmm. that. Is that how you'd say it? Uh, it's, um, okay, Zedekiah is correct. Whatever you'd yeah. say is okay. At any rate, he actually had him hurled into Zedekiah the is what we say. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. You pronounce that. That's fine. And, but the point is he had him hurled into the pit. The, right into the, a cistern, sure. right? Into a well. Now, the cistern is a very important symbol. What is a cistern? It's man-made. Okay? But 
And that's why God says in the book of Jeremiah, they're no longer taking the living waters. They're listening. Uh, they're drinking from their own cistern, and it's which leaking. is and yeah, it's but it's man-made. Old water. Living water is what's running. Cistern is what we put there. It's our system. So that's fascinating when he's making that comparison. And in fact, in the beginning, one of your other questions was about why this uh, almond branch. Well, what's so fascinating about the almonds is... and one, not, of the, one of the first prophecies he tells. The, uh, the first, I do believe. And so he said, and he says, but God says, what do you see? And he says, well, I see a, a quarter. He says... Wasn't uh, an almond one of the first uh, fruits to, to come about, be produced? That's true. But listen to these verses. He says, uh, God says, hey, Jeremiah, so what do you see? And he says, I see a branch of an almond tree. God says, you have seen well. Now, isn't that interesting? You've seen well. Now, that means something. doesn't mean well it's going to get thrown in. That's Okay, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, you've seen well, for I am resolved. I'm going to now accomplish my word. In other words, the time has arrived. Now, that's fascinating. The thing about almonds is they grow without a bud or they grow without a flower. So you really have to know what you're looking at. And clearly, when he said, Jeremiah, what do you see? He was able to say, I see the other things that people are not recognizing, that the time has arrived. Well, that was the warning Jeremiah came. And so the same kind of warning is being given to America, God's people in America today. We need to repent. We need to seek God with all of our heart, mind, and strength. And we need to do our duty as as salt and light in our culture and our society and that means that is a political statement as well as moral and, and, and civic duty in every other way. We have a, a very special segment we're going to introduce tonight. Not a segment, permanent segment. We have an interview we heard, both of us heard this last week, by a Jewish uh, uh, broadcaster named Ezra Levant with Rebel Media, rebel.media. And Ezra Levant is a, is a broadcaster. He's an analyst uh, uh, and gives uh, information to uh, particularly to Jewish people but we need to take it to heart as the people of God not just Jewish ethnic but people of God spiritual Israel here in our country everyone who calls himself a believer sincerely seeking after God he says some things that we really need to hear and probably you wouldn't hear them in any other place and so we're going to come back after this break and listen to about a 12 minute segment from Ezra Levant And let it kind of set the pace for us a bit. And then we're going to continue to look at it uh, through the eyes of Jeremiah, through the eyes of the great prophet. And before we start, i got a great joke I want to tell. Oh, that's the biggest tease of all. 340-9585. 340-9585. That's our phone number. If you'd like to call in uh, and be a part of the program, listen to Ezra Levant. Listen to the warning that he issues. Uh, to Jewish people in our own culture and society today, uh, and, and we are Jewish people, but all of us who are sincere about following after the God of the Scriptures. All right, we'll come back right after this short break. Three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number. Don't go away. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Thanking you for joining us as always. 340-9585 if you hear something you want to respond to tonight. Right now, though, we want to go to this very special presentation by this uh, Jewish broadcaster, analyst, uh, commentator. I guess that's the way you say it. A commentator. He's a commentator. He's a In other words, potato, right? he is not. Does not have a lot of garnish. He's not fixed up. He's, <laughs> He's just, just like a, a baked potato. He's a commentator. Ezra Levant. He's from Rebel Media. Rebel Media. And he he's addressing primarily uh, Jewish people. But I, I'm kind of wondering, Jacob. To me, when I heard the message, I, it was much broader. I, it's something that we all need to hear. Why do you think he is directing this primarily toward Jewish? citizens or Jewish people here in the U.S. Right. And I do want to say I got this from a couple of friends, a guy named Ralph and Esther, and I was so good I passed on to you, and when you saw it, you brought up what you just said. And I want to say, at the beginning, he does say, 
this is meant for Jews. And he is Jewish. He is on a Jewish uh, radio, uh, TV thing. Now, the reason for that, to answer your question, is this. And he actually states the reason is because of what he discovered about Donald Trump in, his, in the research. He's afraid that the people who do not like Jews would try to use it to convince everybody there's some type of Jewish conspiracy in supporting Trump. That's not true, but your enemies will always use stuff. <laughs> and so when he's saying that, and he says, you know, this is for Jews, he's not saying he's excluding, he's, and he actually says, hey, what's, I don't want the, I re, and he says, I realize I'm giving people who want to use this something to attack Trump on. And so that's the reason he makes a statement. It is intended for Jews, but I do want to say this, that every minority group, and Jews are one, are being so inundated with things from, like, the Democrats that's trying to convince them that Trump is a anti-Semite, he's a Nazi, he's a, he's a, a disliker of all of the races and religion. And they did an analysis, right? And they did, did a in-depth and analysis and did a great thing. And that's why he says at the beginning, this is for people who do not like Trump. If you listen closely, that'll be his introduction, his first line. And what's fascinating is what he comes up with. But he says that because he is so inundated with it, he wanted to say, this is what the truth is. And so, and that's why in so many minority groups are being hit with this kind of propaganda. And this propaganda was being told that uh, Trump is a Nazi, he's a anti-Semitic, all that junk. And this is from a Jewish response. And if you listen closely... I think people will be astounded. I was. I learned things I did not know. Let, I think it's relevant for all of us. Let's it's, hear. It's let's relevant hear what, for the entire country. Let's hear what Ezra had to say. All right, from uh, Ezra Levant, Rebel Media. We'll be back following this this commentary that he gives to us. All right, this video is just for Jews who don't like Donald Trump, and especially those Jews who say he's anti-Semitic. I mean, I hear it a lot, not just from the fringe media, like the Philadelphia Daily News, where this picture's from, but from the Washington Post, the New York Times, the New York Daily News, everywhere in the mainstream media. They say Trump is a Nazi, a racist, an anti-Semite. So is it true? Like I say, this is a special video just for Jews, especially American liberal Jews. So can everyone else please go watch something that's probably more up your alley? I don't know. What's the least Jewy thing on TV? Duck Dynasty, probably. <laughs> Duck Dynasty. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right, look, my fellow Hebrews, I know you love the Democrats because most of the time being Jewish to you doesn't really have anything to do with the Jewish religion. I mean, at least not since your bar mitzvah. In North America, to most Jews, most of the time, it means just liking Jewish stuff like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld and Sarah Silverman, and Amy Schumer, and Jewish food and taking a few extra days of holidays. It's a vague cultural pride thing, like bragging about how many Jews won Nobel Prizes or which Hollywood stars are Jewish or half Jewish. So yeah, culturally, most Jews are a fit with the party of the liberal elites, the party of New York and Chicago and L.A. and trial lawyers and professors and Wall Street types, the Democrats. So it's easy to sneer at Donald Trump, that striving blue-collar billionaire. I mean, 
Look at him sitting in those golden chairs, so ostentatious. No Jew I know would ever be so nouveau riche, right? <laughs> and the way he talks. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. That is a huge problem. Yeah, a noisy, mouthy New Yorker with huge real estate investments. Yeah, what Jew could possibly like a guy like that? But seriously, is Donald Trump really anti-Semitic? Every Democrat I follow on Twitter has tweeted pictures of Trump with his arm out, Heil Hitler style. I mean, of course, you can do that with anyone. So let me answer this charge in two ways. How does Donald Trump treat Jews in his own life? And even more important, how does he treat Jewish issues in his political life? What would he be like as president? Now, in his own life, I'm going to tell you something shocking. And it's actually the reason why I told the non-Jews to stop watching this video. Here's a fact I don't really want conspiracy theorists to hear. All of Donald Trump's children are either married to or dating Jews. All of them. The most famous of his kids, Ivanka Trump, she married Jared Kushner, who's Jewish, and she converted to Judaism herself. She actually took a Jewish name, Yael Trump. Her kids, Trump's grandkids, are Jewish. They probably call him Zadie. But it's not just Ivanka. Donald Jr. is married to Vanessa Hayden, who's Jewish. Eric Trump is married to Lara Yunaska, who's Jewish. They married under a Jewish chuppah or wedding canopy at Mar-a-Lago, an exclusive club that used to ban Jews until Trump filed a massive lawsuit against the bigots to let the Jews in. And then there's Tiffany Trump, Donald Trump's other daughter by Marla Maples. She's not married yet, but she's dating a Jewish man named Ross Mechanic. Trump has one more kid with Melania. His name is Baron. He's just 10. So it's not yet five kids out of five who were with Jews. But I wouldn't bet against Baron dating a Jew, would you? That's in Trump's personal life. His company, the Trump Organization, pretty Jewy. Executive Vice President Michael Cohen, other Executive Vice President Jason Greenblatt, Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg. There's a token Gentile as Chief Operating Officer, pretty much the Shabbos Goy who goes into the office by himself on Yom Kippur. Here's Donald Trump as a parade marshal at the Salute to Israel March in New York in 2004, a dozen years ago. He's been pro-Israel and pro-Jewish long before this campaign. And his campaign? Jewish. Stephen Miller, the firebrand speechwriter and spin doctor who also gives the warm-up speeches at the crowd for the crowd for Trump's rallies? Jewish. I saw this. Michael Abood, communications coordinator. Sounds Muslim, right? No. Sephardi Jew. Steve Mnuchin, finance chair. Jewish, of course. So everywhere Trump goes, he's pretty much outnumbered by Jews his own family, his staff, his circle of friends. I wonder if he ever feels like he needs a break from us. But still, I don't know, maybe he is a secret anti-Semite. I mean, Hillary Clinton says he's racist and she wouldn't lie about that, would she? Well, here's the thing. It is possible to pose for pictures with Jews and have Jews marry into your family and to speak at Jewish rallies and take Jewish donations. And still be awful when it comes to policies about Jews in Israel and the threat of Muslim terrorism. I mean, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, they have plenty of Jewish friends. 
even though they have been the most hostile administration towards Israel in history, I mean, they lit the fire of the Arab Spring. They gave Iran permission to build nukes. So what about Trump's public policy positions? Well, in June, Trump gave the most amazing policy speech I've ever heard by a politician of any party outside of Israel, where he speaks so plainly and honestly about radical Islam and its war on Western values. I'm sure you have not seen it because the media prefers to report on and debate the nuances of Trump's goofier tweets all day. But let me play for you two clips from that speech. You really owe it to yourself to watch the whole thing. Here's the first clip. We cannot continue to allow thousands upon thousands of people to pour into our country, many of whom have the same thought process as this savage killer. Many of the principles of radical Islam are incompatible with Western values and institutions. Remember this, radical Islam is anti-woman, anti-gay, and anti-American. I refuse to allow America to become a place where gay people, Christian people, Jewish people are targets of persecution and intimidation by radical Islamic preachers of hate and violence. Have you ever heard Clinton or Obama or any Democrat talk that way? Of course not. Here's one more shorter clip. This is not just a national security issue. It's a quality of life issue. If we want to protect the quality of life for all Americans, women and children, gay and straight, Jews and Christians, and all people, then we need to tell the truth about radical Islam, and we need to do it now. That's Trump. Brilliant speech. And it's not just something he started saying lately during the campaign. Speaking of tweets, here's a tweet Trump wrote about five years ago. The White House should stop publicly pressuring Israel on Iran. Iran's nuclear program is the threat, not Israel's right to self-defense. That's great. Here's another from 2011. He said, why is the U.N. planning to attack Israel's sovereignty and ignore Iran's nuclear program? The U.S. should look at future funding. Yeah. Here's one more about the United States funding Hamas. He wrote, bad move. Barack Obama released $147 million in aid to the Palestinians. That money is going to Hamas. That's Donald Trump. There has never been a more pro-Israel candidate for president ever. So what about Hillary, though? I mean, she's certainly done the Jewish fundraising circuit in America. She says all the right things at APAC conferences. But when she's in the Middle East, well, let's put it this way. She follows the money, which obviously starts with the most anti-Semitic, anti-Christian, anti-woman dictatorship in the world, Saudi Arabia. Hillary loves the Saudis, and they love her. They gave her foundation $25 million, just as a gift. And that's just from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Other Saudi sheiks donated to her personally, as did Muslim dictatorships like Kuwait, Qatar, Oman, the United Arab Emirates millions of dollars, private gifts to her personal foundation while she was Secretary of State. That's why she kept her email secret, so no one could see the quid pro quo, what was said to the Saudis in return for the money. Clinton's most intimate assistant, Huma Abedin, born in the U.S. but raised in Saudi Arabia, is from a family of Islamic extremists 
Huma worked with the Muslim World League, an organization funded by the Saudi government that was used by Osama bin Laden to finance his operations. And even after 9-11, Huma was still working for the extremist Journal of Muslim Minority Affairs with her sister, her brother, and her, Muslim, her mother. The Muslim extremism is the family business, and now she's Hillary Clinton's top aide. But Clinton has always been close to Muslim extremists, even before she set up a foundation to make money off it. Here she is, more than 15 years ago, hugging Suha Arafat, then the wife of Yasser Arafat, moments after Suha Arafat had accused Jews of using poison gas on Palestinian babies. Clinton kissed her after she said that. But you don't need to go back 15 or 20 years. Just look at what Clinton did during her term as Secretary of State. She pushed ahead with the nuclear deal for Iran. She supported Mohammed Morsi of the terrorist Muslim Brotherhood in his takeover of Egypt. And she stood by him as he started to bring in Sharia law in Egypt. And Clinton objected when the Egyptian army helped topple Morsi and restore order. Clinton and Obama were the architects for the extremely hasty total withdrawal and abandonment of Iraq against Pentagon advice. It happened so quickly, it created the void filled by the Islamic State terrorists. Clinton loved to topple steady, stable regimes, especially those that were the most benign towards the West, Egypt and Libya's Muammar Gaddafi. Even though Gaddafi had renounced weapons of mass destruction, paid billions in reparations to the UK for terrorism, and said he wanted to be an ally, Clinton took him out. As we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> Did it have anything to do? Yeah, she helped topple Gaddafi, and she stood by as Islamic radicals took over the country. Stood by as Muslim terrorists murdered four U.S. citizens, including the ambassador, blaming it on a YouTube video. The fact is, we had four dead Americans. Was it I because understand. of a protest, or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? What difference at this point does it make? Clinton knew it was Muslim terrorists, but she was part of the lie to cover it up to protect Obama's re-election chances. Clinton never says the words Islamic terrorism. She just can't say them. She says the opposite, though, after every Islamic terrorist attack. Here she is. She says... Let's be clear, Islam is not our adversary. Muslims are peaceful and tolerant people and have nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism. Really? She wrote that just days after Muslim terrorists killed more than 100 people in Paris. Clinton says Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, who's led in 2 million Muslim men in the past year, she says Merkel is her role model. She says she'd increase the number of Muslim migrants to the United States by 500%. Do you doubt it? So, yeah, Jews... I think it's time to grow up a bit. If being Jewish to you is just about bagels and remembering the Holocaust, then vote for whoever. If you hate the Republicans because your family always voted Democrat and you think Trump is a bit much, vote for whoever. But if you actually mean what you say, that the rise of Muslim anti-Semitism and terrorism and threats to the Jewish people and threats to Israel are important to you, then give your head a shake. Hillary Clinton is the most anti-Israel candidate in history who has taken tens of millions of dollars from Muslim dictators, who has a Saudi radical as her most intimate advisor, and who promises to bring in countless Muslim migrants to the heart of America. And then there's the guy with eight Jewish grandchildren, Jewish advisors, a pro-Israel foreign policy, and a national security immigration policy. Pretty easy choice, I think. For the Rebel.media, I'm Ezra Levant.
Thanks for watching. Click here All to right. never miss a Rebel update. We Want even back. more of the Rebel? Well, click here to become a premium member. We are back. Uh, are we, we back? wanted you to hear are that. Are we back on, Sophie? Say again? Are we back on? We are back on the air. Yes, uh, we are indeed. Okay. Um, we wanted you to hear that because of a number of reasons. One, in the, in the interest of truth-telling, uh, we're in a political season. It's important that we hear uh, from uh, you know the, the truth about some of these different issues. And I can tell you lots of lies being thrown back and forth. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I would say the Democratic modus operandi, the Democratic Party, is to really cloud the issues, throw all the mud they can possibly thin, and, and take apart you know, divide America, take apart these different groups, and build this coalition of the uh, of the unhappy, uh, uh, the complainers of, of our culture and society. Bring them together, and uh, and that it has been successful for them. So we wanted you to hear this. We wanted it in the interest of truth, and in some ways, I I was personally interested because it sounded just so much like. Uh, an Isaiah, a Jeremiah, the prophets of this era, this time that we've been looking at on, in the time of decline, when Israel was indeed uh, declining and heading toward judgment, the judgment of God on them. They were being warned. They were being told over and over again uh, what God was going to do and, and, and that God would do it. They ignored it. They think it, it wouldn't happen to us. Uh, they thought, oh, we're, we're, we're in Jerusalem. We're in a, we're in a pot. We're protected and in Jeremiah, as Jacob said a while ago, he he takes it. He said, "You're indeed in a pot, and you're going to get stewed. You're going to get your your goose is going to get cooked." Actually, that's, that's Jeremiah one verse thirteen. Jeremiah one thirteen. So and, there and we I will have say, and, and in the interest of full disclosure, when I got this, and I get lots of things, I, I frankly do. And uh, when I got this, I passed this on to Soapy. And Soapy liked it, and uh, Soapy wanted to play it tonight, and so we made arrangements to let Soapy play it. And I learned things that I did not know. I had no idea about his uh, Trump's staff. I had no idea about I knew he had one daughter uh-huh. that was Jewish, but I had no idea that they're all married to Jews and the one's dating a Jew. And, of course, the 10-year-old boy, he's not married <laughs> All right. But I, I do want to I think to he's s- going to grow up and marry an Apache Indian That's princess. probably true, That's yes. what I'm thinking. And then they'll both become Presbyterians. <laughs> so. Anyway, like but that. Trump, I want to say this, is not Jewish. He's, uh, I forgot what he said. But he's a member of some uh, Christian group, uh, Christian church. Now, I want to say this. This. Uh, I think it is Presbyterian, by the way. Is it Presbyterian, by I the way? I believe so. Well, maybe on purpose. may not be just by the maybe way. Maybe one of our listeners will call uh, and correct me if I'm wrong there. Well, okay. Or perhaps, you know, one of our listeners will call. Three four zero ninety five. Ah, you got it. You got it. You got it. I took the hint. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is, too, that in all fairness, the reason this was because, as I say, every minority group is being targeted. And no, regardless of whatever your politics are, I believe you own your own vote. That's if, right. If yeah. you want to vote for your own French poodle, then my goodness, vote for them because you, it's your property. You own it. You have a right to use your property as you choose. But uh, what I found fascinating is, is these facts and every group. And I know the you know the blacks, the Hispanics, the Jews, every minority group is being hit with these ideas coming from obviously a, more of a democratic source and saying, "Hey, this guy's a racist. He's prejudiced." Dot dot dot. So that's why this guy comes back and says, "Well, let's look at the facts for the Jews." That's why he begins saying, "This is really for the liberal Jews." 
And, you know, if some, you're not going to change people's minds. They're going to vote for whoever they want, and that's okay, except that you own your own vote. However, I will say that I think this dispels the so-called claims of him being prejudiced against people, uh, certainly the Jews, but I think against all people. I've been doing some other research about other items, and I have found that those accusations are interesting and primarily false. I have, now I will tell you this, the VP that was picked for the Democrats, I'm going to be honest with you, I am really, con- I personally am concerned about him. He is, and I believe, and I can be corrected, but What's I think. What's his name? Uh, it's Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, King. I don't think many people had heard of him before. Well, but yeah. but he, is, he, he is the single, to the best of my knowledge, the single largest recipient of Muslim money, I believe in, in Palestinian, uh, out of all the Senate. He's one of the nine senators that walked out on Benjamin Netanyahu when he spoke here last year. He, did, he refused to meet with him. Now, when I see that kind of funds going there, and we all know people who donate, donate to people they like, and they intend to court their support. Follow the money, yes. So that that always, that really bothers me. In fact, did you know tonight, as we sat here, as of last October, two American aircraft carriers are off the coast of Israel, American aircraft car- 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 carriers, because of the part of the treaty with Iran that we went into. And those aircraft carriers are not there to protect Israel. They're there to shoot down Israeli planes should they attack the Iranian nuclear facilities. That was part of the treaty. Now, you tell me where somebody's head and heart is. That's a fact. Well, that that is a fact. I, I, um, I want you to be able to sound off as well, 340-9585. Uh, if you'd like to talk about that, the the. the, the our reality today that we face, uh, actually the same kind of message could be delivered by and is being delivered by prominent and very articulate, very intelligent black pastors and leaders because the same thing has happened there. Uh, somehow the Democratic Party over the period of time has convinced uh, every minority, every uh, you know, although we're supposed to be colorblind, we're su- not supposed to be mindful at all. As Martin Luther King said, uh, we don't judge people at all by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That's what we're supposed to be living. But uh, in spite of that, the Democratic Party continues to appeal, appeal to to race uh, and and to you know minority people groups, women, and so on. And the, as I said, the coalition of the complainers, the com- co- uh, coalition of the unhappy. And, and call them out and, and, and get them as angry as they can and convince them that their interest, their best interest for happiness and fulfillment or even or at least for revenge uh, on those terrible American people who are so wealthy and have yeah, left them out of the Yeah, that's you, Sophie. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are troublemakers. Well, we're, yeah, we're yeah. terrible folks. So, but the idea is that they've taken these groups and and, and, and let's say the, the, you know, black Americans have given to the Democratic Party Almost unprecedented, almost 90 percent of the vote, black vote, unprecedented support to the Democratic Party now for, what, 50 years or more? And what has it accomplished? I mean, well, the worse off today in terms of family and unity and uh, family, family of finances, economy, economic realities, way worse off today than, than when back 50, 60 years ago in the time of uh, Johnson. Uh, and you know, it's it just it, it's so crazy that the the wool and the deception has been pulled over our eyes and again i say uh 
this we're not trying to be just blatantly political, but this the Bible. It, look at Isaiah, Art. Jeremiah. They are warning people in pure political terms about the godlessness, the immorality of their culture and their society, and saying you must turn away from these kinds of policies, these kinds of public public policies that are going to bring about God's judgment. Uh, there was a in the book of Jeremiah and in, in, in Jerusalem there was a valley. Uh, it's ah, called the Valley of the Son great, of Hinnom. Thanks. And and uh, Jeremiah warns him about this. Uh, that the in 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 essence, uh, the, the uh, and, and maybe some of you would know the answer to the question: What was the normal use of the Valley of the Sun of Enom? What was that valley used for? And what was the terrible sin that the people of Judah were carrying out? They were practicing this terrible sin there in the Valley of the Sun of Hinnom. Uh, maybe someone can give us a call and answer that question, 340-9585. And they'll find the answer in Jeremiah 7, 31, 32. Chapter 7, verse 31, 32. And I will 32. tell you, that, when you translate it through the Greek, through the Latin, it comes out in the New Testament, uh, Gehenim. That's so right. that valley you're talking about is still there in the New Testament. That's the imagery that we use even for the, that's the visual imagery that is given for hell. In the New Testament, Gehenna. Uh, and so what was it? What was going on there in the Valley of Hinnom? If you'd like to give us that answer and give us a call, 340-9585. And I will tell you this, what, what, what was going on there in that era and that time proved to be the nail in the coffin. It was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the sin that finally brought the judgment of God down on Israel at that time. And it's a sin that America has committed. And when and we come back, well. I'm going to tell my joke. 340-9585. The wrecks I've made here The lives it cost Your hand restores Your words make whole With all my soul This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back thanking you for joining us back to the Bible Live, our final segment this evening. It's been a little unusual. We wanted to hear this very special um, commentary segment that we uh, gleaned this past week from the Internet. It was kind of an unusual message, uh, an unusual and a message and truth that has not been put out. Uh, to folks generally to know and understand about the political candidates this year, about the parties involved. And so we uh, put it in there. And especially as well, uh, what I recognize in it was I, I, um, I, I, as I've been kind of meditating and thinking, Isaiah and Jeremiah, the prophets that we're reading in these times that we're uh, kind of studying together and commenting about uh, in our Bible Live broadcast these days, Isaiah and Jeremiah, particularly Jeremiah, to me, Isaiah the same way, were extremely political 
not exclusively political. Of course, the core of their message and the core of their ministry was spiritual. They had to do with following after the true and living God and obeying him and honoring him and glorifying God and being obedient to God. And our, But it, all of it, that particular, our, our relationship with God impacts every aspect of our, of our lives as human beings, including our, our community life, our civic responsibilities, our, our politics, in fact. And uh, both Isaiah and Jeremiah uh, very deeply um, involved in politics, particularly, I would say, Jeremiah, who he got the raw end. I mean, he, he got uh, the king tore up his messages and put him down into a lowered him down into a cistern or yes, that was two different kings. But yes, they did. Uh, it was a different king. Yeah, yeah. two different kings. But yes. But I do tell you, keeping with our political theme. Yes. Oh, yeah, you have a joke. How is it that you forget? We talked about it during the break. I know, I know. You know uh, what it is? You don't listen I, to me. I, I, does your I, wife ever tell you, you this? You never listen to me. She does. Yes. But I think every wife in the whole world uh, tells their husbands you never listen to me. I don't well, know. I'm probably the right. In every yeah. language. Probably. But anyway, to my joke. I'm ready. I'm ready for okay, it. Okay, this keeping with our political theme that you wanted to encourage and tie it into Jeremiah tonight. Uh, okay, I was in a, a Torah study, a, a Bible study, and uh, one of the topics that came up uh, was uh, the story you're familiar with. Of In Hebrew, it's Pincus, but in English, it's Phineas. Phineas. Uh-huh. And that's the guy, you remember, that goes into the tent, and he has this long spear. It's like a, as long as a pole. And he goes in and he stabs them. Now, Soapy, hold yourself. I see okay. you starting to talk. I'm telling a joke. Okay. This is a joke. So you don't interrupt Phineas during goes jokes. In and so you're interrupting. You don't interrupt during All right. a joke. All right. Okay. So he goes in with his long pole. It's like a spear. I'm trying to be your straight Shh, man. Quiet. Come on. And he, <laughs> so he goes in and he stabs the woman and the man. And he kills them with his long pole that's like a spear. And then he rides through the village or the camp with them both. must have been a strong guy. With them both dangling from this long pole. Oh, and, really? And, yes. And guess what? I realized, in, in accordance with our political theme, that was the very first Gallup poll. Oh, terrible. And I got to tell you, I made that up. A Gallup poll. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, okay. I and guess uh, <laughs> I guess Mr. Gallup who, who, who probably would appreciate yeah. that more. Well, than I know. I I, I I I amused myself with that. Oh, uh, at any rate, but so you know, it was at a full gallop. It yeah, wasn't. So it was a, a gallop poll. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, but you know, I get what you're saying that it seems like in America that we have totally taken, as they say, God out of uh, yeah well, out we, of all, all the aspects of our life. There can't and be so, much doubt. And yeah. so, if I may, I sense that if I may offer an assist. That uh, that it's a you're identifying that with a similarity that Jeremiah was saying is that in Israel they had started breaking the covenant. In fact, in Jeremiah uh, eleven three, it actually says the reason for what's happening is you have broke the covenant. It says that, and part of it was worshiping other gods, and other gods have their own laws. And in Israel, they were, um, they were uh, absolutely having uh, other gods. And I, I want to go ahead and take the call. And afterwards, I want to tie it into what you talked about, about the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, or Ganemon. 
given in, in New Testament. Do I have to take the call from Esther? Then we'll All right. Esther is on the phone. Esther, we're glad to hear from you tonight. Uh, Thank you. For calling in. What, what's on your heart? Thank what's you. on your mind? Well, I was listening to the uh, recording that you played. Yes. And it was very interesting. And as a Gentile, I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, wow, this is to the Jews. So I'm dismissed, and I can leave the room. But you know that. <laughs> watch the Dutch, the Dutch <laughs> Dynasty, right? That's what. I, that yeah, I that but funny. that's okay. I wanted to say, uh, as a Gentile believer in the God of Israel, that was very strongly to me, to my family, to my friends uh, in this time that we live. And like Jacob was saying, he's comparing it to Jonah. You know, uh-huh. he, Jonah went in. He didn't say repent. He said, and I'm reading from the Bible, uh, I took the cup from God's hand, and I made all the nations to whom God sent me drink it. This is Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. I was trying to read Jonah. Oh, I'm Jonah sorry. Had a, I had it marked out. He had a seven-word message. In 40 days, yes. Nineveh will be destroyed. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Uh-huh. But see, what happened, if you compare that to where we are right now, he didn't say repent. He he gave them the message that we're getting now. We're in deep trouble. We have turned away uh, from the God of Israel, our God, the God of all creation. So this message is to the Jews. Who are What are you saying? You're Democrats and you're voting Democrats. Wake up. Pay attention. And just because your parents and grandparents voted Democrat doesn't mean you have to vote Democrat. And I hear that from a lot of, I hear that from a lot of my Christian friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we've always been Democrat. Mm -hmm. The end of the hunt. And Mm -hmm. and like uh, Levant, we need to wake up. We need to pay attention because this could be our last call to repent. And just like uh, Jonah, he said, uh, the wrath of Yahweh is coming upon you. And here in the book of Jeremiah, uh, God's hand of the wrath is going to all the nations. And he's saying, and all the kingdoms of the earth, on the face of the earth, that would include America, for anyone who thinks America is left out. (laughs) If they refuse to take the cup from your hands and drink, say to them, Mm -hmm. uh, God of hosts say you must drink, for if I punish the city that bears my name first, will you go unpunished? You will not go unpunished. I'm summoning the sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, says God of hosts. And we are to stand with Israel. So I really, I hope that everybody's excited about that man's messages. I am. That's all I had to say. Esther, that is so nice of you to call in and and to say that. That's the same impulse. That's the same response I had in in my heart response as I heard that message. Uh, it, It isn't just one group although it's very relevant it is very clear and i think the message is clear too we we do have a a number a great number of jewish listeners and we hope that you're listening and that maybe you'll take the counsel and advice uh uh even of, of this very articulate very informed good solid honest research uh, and maybe that would help you to make the right choice in this time that we're living uh we as a people as a nation we're not exempt from god's uh, sovereignty. He is uh, still the sovereign God, as Benjamin Franklin said. The, he uh, he is still the the Lord over uh, nation, men and nations. Sovereign God over men and nations, and uh, even today. And so, 
the message is there for us very clearly. We need to be take heed and listen. Maybe you'd like to call in, give us a thought. Maybe you have a, a contrary opinion. Maybe you see it differently, but uh, it seems fairly obvious to me uh, what we're looking at. 340-9585 is our phone number. We've got 20 minutes left. We'd love to hear is, from you. Our is Esther gone? Tonight as well. Esther is gone. Okay. Goodbye, Esther. Goodbye, Esther. I didn't Thanks know for that calling she was in. gone. Um, uh, what was the normal use of the valley uh, of the son of Hinnom? This was a valley right outside of Jerusalem. Uh, and I'll give you the answer to the question. It was normally the city garbage dump. Yes. <clears throat> it was where they burned, took the dark garbage and so on and burned it there. Uh, it is uh, in the New Testament is used as an imagery for hell itself, actually. And, and how do they pronounce that? Gehenna, isn't it? In um, the New Testament? Uh, but it's the same place as the garbage dump. It was, and it was burning all this time, and they kept the fire going 24-7. So it was always going, it was considered, you know, a garbage dump, an eternal fire. And as you say, it became the symbol for the idea of hell in the yes. New Testament. And But, the, but the, the worst thing about it is it became a place where they sacrificed children to the false god Moloch uh-huh. uh, in, in, in there. It was called Topheth, or the fireplace. And they took upon, they were offering infant children. And, of course, the, the great, the blood of the innocents calling out to God, one of the great reasons, he said, that judgment would fall. Well, could I, I, could I actually, recommend you to do that, he said. And well, course, said more been, than that. Could I read 31? Please, yes. This is 731. And this is from a Hebrew translation. So uh, they have built Topheth shrines in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in fire. I never commanded this, and it did not even ever occur to me. Now, I find it fascinating. Now, the, the Molech, yeah. you're absolutely right. It is Molech, and that's, that is a Canaanite god, and that was the one that always said, hey, if you kill your child, your firstborn, you know, you get into heaven. Now, I know this is going to be unpopular, but I'm going to say it. I, that's really the Canaanites became, later what became more or less Islam, uh-huh. and I've often found it fascinating that the idea of a child going in, wearing a bomb, and blowing themselves up is a really an extension of the idea. Your child dies and I get into heaven? That idea seems to be still going on and still consistent, and I do not get that. But what's going on? This was a, a, another religion. It was being taught. Some of the Jews were picking up, and this made God very angry because it broke the covenant. And, but so, and what I find fascinating, too, is, and catch that line, and every, so I'm going to be honest with you, and I think it's important to be honest. This is here, and it says later in Jeremiah, and he says, I never even thought of it. And, of course, in my mind, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, if God never thought of killing a child, how did Jesus happen? Now, I'm being honest with you, because uh-huh. that thought crosses my time, every, my mind every time I read that. I think, well, he never even entered his head. Well, sure, it had entered his head if the Christians are correct. And I'm not taking a position pro or con. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's a thought I always have. Perhaps you'd like to share your thought. Oh, certainly. That, I had never thought about down that path either. Uh, the situations, I think, are so entirely different uh, in that uh, in the first place. I, I think there would be great. I'm just talking off the top of my head here about in the response to it. Uh, I, in the first place, I think the comparison between the uh, sacrifice of innocent children against their own will. They had nothing to say about it. 
uh, as we see today in, in abortion, uh, the slaughter of innocent millions of innocent children over these last decades. Uh, it, it's so very distant from the idea of the eternal Son of God who voluntarily of his own will came. And uh, he said, no one takes my life from me. I give it freely. I, I, I'm here to pay the penalty, uh, take on the penalty of sin and to, for the forgiveness of many. And so, in other words, I don't think the two, I don't think the two situations okay. are in the least bit comparative. All right, that, that's good. I was just wondering because uh, yeah, I've well, never been bold enough to bring that up, but I thought since we're well, sitting here. Sense, but you can see there's, there's, there's a, you know, in, a, a tremendous difference the, uh, in the willingness of Jesus to go and voluntarily give up his life to live under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience to the Father mm-hmm. and then sacrificially and selflessly give himself uh, so that for the remission of our sins. That, that I, I don't know, I, I just find it so very, very totally different. Okay. But I see your point. <coughs> I think what God is saying, <coughs> excuse me, and it's still a very marked thing, that <coughs> this was something so perverse, so terribly wicked, that can you imagine something so wicked that even even the sovereign God, the Creator, even God Himself, had never even imagined that. that okay, we could be that I, I got to say, when the Canaanites, wow. when the Canaanites, uh, which are actually a manifest of like seven different groups, mm-hmm. but the generally Canaanites, when the Israelis came in, one of the things the Canaanites would do is sacrifice the children, and they had this religious thought yes. that they got into heaven. And that you can see how I draw that analogy to modern-day Islam yeah, with a guy, I, I kid child, that. blowing up himself. Uh, yeah. Well, here's what uh, was seems to be the final limit for God. It seems to be that the killing of the children is the final limit. And I, I have read mm-hmm. some great thoughts that... Um, that perhaps this has to do with people are made in God's image, and if you're willing to kill the fruit of your womb, you're certainly willing to destroy everything that God created to continue to create. Mm-hmm. In fact, what it actually says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is, um, it, it, I know it gets translated how it gets translated, but it says, in beginning, creating the heavens and the earth. The Jews understand that verb, creating, it's a verb. It means to continue to create. So part of the covenant is, and then it says, you shall be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. Those are not the same things. Those are two different things. One is have children. Two um, is to teach them God's laws. Fruitful children multiply teach them right from wrong teach god's laws that is what that fruitful multiply is referring to and here you've got in in this example jeremiah you've got these people not teaching god's laws and by the way it's when it says molech you're absolutely correct but i want to stress i've said this before those are really all those names you see like baal or baal or whatever those are not really those God's names. No other God's names really appear. Are in, mentioned in uh, Hebrew scriptures. Well, that's because this is God's book and only his name is mentioned. These are actually uh, even derogatory references to things that are made up of other things because molech mm-hmm. is actually a, a misadaptation of the word Hebrew word melech, which means king. So it's a, he's they're really saying it's uh, he's your king, he's your master. Baal is another word for uh, your master. 
Baal. In the Asherah pole and other gods that are mentioned. Uh, what is it? Uh, and we're going to go to Harold's call in just a moment. But I want to ask you, Jeremiah deals specifically. Uh, there's a group of women that are yes. particularly hostile to Jeremiah. Yes. And they tell him right to his face, we're not going to obey you. We're not going to repent. We're not going to turn back to the God of our, our forefathers. We're going to continue to worship the queen of heaven. Yes. Uh, wh- what is that about this queen of heaven? As I say, those are always uh, euphemisms, even slanderous, Uh derogatory comments. The Queen of Heaven is referring to a feminine deity that comes from what we call today, as we read in English, Asherah Pole. Oh, okay. That's a very, very sexual symbol. Okay. And it's meant, if you mated underneath its shadow, you would get pregnant. Oh, well... Let's go visit with Harold. We've got. By the way, that left. was Canaanite stuff. That's not Jewish stuff. The, oh, exactly. I understand that for sure. Uh, we are on the air. Harold is joining us tonight for the Bible Live. We, Harold, we've taken a little unusual program tonight, but we thought it was appropriate and in, it was in harmony with the book of of Jeremiah and the, Isaiah. There, these prophets, uh, and this is a political season in our own country, and we're in a we're in a dire moment, an important moment in our nation's history. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it, it's important Harold, are you there? Bring God to Yes, I'm here. Okay. Just... First of all, we get started. Most important thing. Did you like my Gallup poll joke? <laughs> the Gallup poll. Uh, when uh, Phineas, you know, yeah. when he... Yeah, did you like it? Of course, yes. I thought it was kind of good. I didn't really know where you were going to go with it. Yes. But <laughs> I was a little worried you know, about that myself. Today, <laughs> in the political world, we always have these Gallup polls. Okay. And since we're doing politics, yeah. I thought, and I kind of made this joke up. I'm proud of it, you I admit. To be proud of but it. I thought that it was kind of fit in with the politics. It was the Gallup poll. So, uh, and I'm not above encouraging recognition for myself or my joke. Uh, did you find it a good joke? Yeah. Please did. say yes. Well, he said yes, and I... I I thought I heard. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw a smile on his face. Okay. When he said it. All right. Thanks. We well, I'm smiling. All right. What's all right. on your mind? Yeah. Tell me what's what, why you called in the. Well, no, it's on y'all's mind. Is uh, you know, it's about politics and kings and everything like that. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was listening earlier to uh, Martin Luther King's uh, last uh, speech, yeah. and he is that, I mean, the, is that, that the I had a dream? No, it's not. I had a dream. N- no, it's uh, my eyes have seen the glory uh-huh. of the coming of the Lord. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I you know I kind of think you know that's a, the same thing that went on back then is still going on today, and I'm starting to read uh, read into the Bible a little bit where I I really think God is is a Democrat. I almost couldn't say it, and well, the reason is even in the Garden of Eden, and y'all brought up the Garden of Eden, uh-huh. is that you know God put that tree there to make a choice. And some, you know, the female made the choice because the man, I guess, was too busy having it too easy. I guess I don't know how it went, you know, for sure. But uh, but then the other thing that makes me think that is when Moses was uh, was walking in the wilderness and he saw the bush that didn't burn, and when he walked up to it, he saw that it, you know, wasn't conceived by fire, mm-hmm. and I think that. That would be another clue of a Democrat is not having everything well, I, totally I destroyed. I suggest, Harold, that <laughs> it, it was burning, but it was not consumed. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, 
I, yeah. I think Jacob has a response as well yeah. as I do too uh, about okay. the idea Real, of God I'll, I'll, as a Republican or as a Democrat. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think we can agree God is not a Democrat nor Republican. In fact, God is not from the tribe of Judah. Uh, God is God. And so he's not Democrat or Republican. He's got his laws. And he's not Jewish or Gentile. This is true. Is that? That is true. That is true. Uh-huh. And so what we have here is we have God interested in his laws. And I don't think God really gets in my personal opinion, but I do, I am an expert in my own opinion. And I don't think God gets into politics. I think that he's neither Democrat or Republican. He's interested in fair treatment. And I think you can be a Democrat or Republican as long as you do the right thing. You do God's laws. That's his interest. And I will say, just as a mm-hmm. personal reference, the if you look real closely in chapter, I believe it's chapter 4 of Exodus, where it says something about the fire was not consumed. Do you know what that's in the next couple Are you verses? talking about the burning bush? The burning bush. The, the, the burning bush was not consumed. It was not consumed. Exactly so. Uh, the next couple of verses explains what it is. And Harold, do you know what it is? Okay, never mind. I will tell you because we're short on time. Are you there, Harold? Okay. Anyway, it's about Israel. Because a bush was not consumed as symbolism of Israel. But he says, and God says, I have heard their cry, their agony. They're on fire, in other words, but they're not dead. The bush is symbolic of Israel and Egypt. Anyway, that's you go ahead. And we could take it. The bush is symbolic of God's people, (laughs) even in in Egypt, in the world today, as we cry out to the Lord. I I, I wanted to respond a little bit when when Harold said that about... uh, God being a Democrat or Republican, that, that wasn't our point at all. And what we were just talking about the current situation in this current situation. Uh, I, I don't. I think the Democrats are on the wrong side. They really are. They they're taking policies and they're doing things totally against God's laws and against God's will, and that's clear. Now Republicans may have some things as well. But but they're on the right side in terms of some very important things, uh, abortion and so on. Uh, I, but about this idea of God, Republican, Democrat, I, I remember a wonderful story, I think, from Abraham Lincoln, that at some point, of course, Abraham Lincoln, a Republican, uh, in, in his era, in his time, doing the right thing, uh, it cost greatly the nation and, and even Lincoln himself. But um, someone asked him one time, President President Lincoln do you think God is on our side? And his response was, I think, very, very wise. I don't really worry about what, it's not so relevant whether God is on our side. It's our prayer, are we on God's side? And that's what we should be thinking about, whether, whether we are Republican or Democrat in terms of politics, that we want to pull the lever, we want to use our influence, we want to make our uh, our political decisions based on our being on God's side. What uh, and, and that can change in a given era. Like I said, the Democratic Party today is not the Democratic Party of 50 years ago by any stretch of the imagination. Far, far, much further to the left, far more radically. So parties change over the, over the decades and over time. Can be right in a given moment in time and can be very, very wrong uh, in, in another. Well, that's our time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the Bible Live tonight. We'll continue next week, continuing, I think, through the book of Jeremiah and uh, right on through the Hebrew Scriptures. And, of course, we'll return to the New Testament here before too long as well. God bless everyone. See you next Sunday night.
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.